Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your inability to manage your stress is not your fault. People like myself, people in the helping professions are to blame and are responsible for your inability to navigate, master, and conquer your stress. Welcome to the Helahert podcast. The AMA and the CDC estimate that between 70 and 95% of all illness, disease, that even means the current pandemic, and all sense of daily suffering that we all experience is a direct result of the inability to manage stress. And I'm going to show you that the reason that that stress epidemic and pandemic, which is causing all of this unrest in, in, in our daily life nonstop, that the reason it keeps escalating and getting worse and having more and more profound effects, we, the people you lean on for solutions, are the problem. We are not providing you the solution. Well, Today, I'm going to change that for you. I'm going to give you the skills and tools that the medical profession, that the helping professions are not giving you, and that's giving rise to pandemics. It's giving rise to all of these struggles that we're having in our life. Now, the first way I'm going to prove it to you and and help you is I'm going to suggest that you go to your favorite medical website, whichever one it is. Go Google it and look up their definition of stress. Invariably, doesn't matter which one you pick, there are going to be two common themes in their definition of stress. The first is they're going to describe some sort of activation of the fight or flight response. That whenever you're stressed, any of us, it activates our fight or flight response. The second thing it's going to talk about is that because of an inability, a maladaptive, that none of us have developed adaptive coping resources that we get overwhelmed by a situation because we don't have the coping skills to navigate the event. Well, do you see, once you pull up the definition, look at it, what you're going to see is two things. We don't have emotional mastery and we are all scared to death. We're in fear, right? But are they telling you that? What is it when you go to your doctor, well, it could be your therapist too, and you start talking about stress, what's their solution? Pills. Is that a coping resource? Does that help you develop skills and tools to navigate a situation? No. It's a diversion. It doesn't even address the issue. Do they explain to you what the fear response is and and what all fear is derived from? No. Well, that's why stress, that's why these epidemics and pandemics are on the rise because people in our profession are not giving you the proper information. Their solution is to medicate you, which is covering over the exact problem. It's not giving you the solutions that you need. So... 
today's information is just going to be a topical version of it. I, if you want to go deeper, if you want the full process, there are two things I suggest. One, pick up a copy of my book, Your Journey to Success. In there, I have a whole chapter dedicated to fear and I break it all down and I discuss how like this, how the medical community and the helping professions are basically lying to us and not they're not helping us when it comes to stress. So you can find out there. If you don't want to pay, that's fine. I did a five-part series on how to stop stress. You can go to my YouTube channel and just watch. I break it to each piece of it that I'm going to discuss today. I go in-depth on each piece of it. And so it's a five-part series on my YouTube channel. I'll give you links so you can go directly to it. And that way you can get the information for free. You don't have to buy it in my book if you don't want to. So again, this is the cursory explanation of both my book and my five-part series on what, how to stop stress. I encourage you to go to those for the deeper dive in the complete process, okay? So what we need to develop are um, the skills and tools to one, have emotional mastery to work through these stressful events. And two, we need an understanding of what fear is. And to do that, we first have to get out of denial. There are three things the helping professions, what your doctor and therapist need to stop doing so that you can get the help and care that you deserve. The first is we need to quit calling it stress. It's not stress. Like I said, look at the definition. We're all afraid. We're scared to death. We're not stressed. We are afraid. But this is where the helping profession isn't guiding you. You see, what, what happens when we talk about stress? When we talk about stress, there's a general implication that I'm doing more than you. My life is so stressful because I'm so accomplished, right? I work harder than you. I work out more than you. I take better care of my kids than you. Like it's kind of a power thing that in many ways, it's like I'm better than you or I have so much going on. I'm so accomplished. Now, we may not want to put that over top of somebody, but it does have that implication of power and strength. Like I, I'm, I'm accomplishing so much. Well, what happens if I say to you, God, man, my life, I'm so afraid right now. Everyone sees us as weak. Well, that's where the helping professional, both your doctor and your, th especially your therapist, needs to empower in you that, look, there's nothing wrong with being afraid. I mean, the fear response is natural in all of us. Like many people may have already tuned this video out and that would be because of the fear response. It doesn't mean they're weak, but any time, because see, I'm challenging all the information you've ever had on stress. You think it's this outside thing that you can't control because that's what the medical community and your therapist have told you. They're like, oh, you can't fix this. Only the pill can do this for you. So therefore you're powerless. And now I'm confronting that. Well, this is what your therapist and the medical community needs to let you know. Whenever we see, touch, smell, taste, or hear anything we've never experienced before. In other words, whenever one of our five senses is engaged for the first time over a new topic, we immediately go into fight or flight. We can't stop it. It's a natural reaction. And so many people like most people, it takes one to three years before they really latch on to any of my stuff. Like the, it takes them a long time to watch because I say so many things that nobody else is talking about. It's scary to them. 
but innately in their gut, they're like, God, there's some truth. And so they bite around the edges. They hang around, hang around. And eventually their brain and body goes, oh, well, this guy's not so scary. He's right too. Wow. And boom, the wall drops. And all of a sudden they let in all the information in their life just starts to just explode. It gets so good, but it takes a while because of the natural fear response. Now that's your therapist's job. They need to be teaching you how to navigate that fear reaction, which I'm going to get to in a minute. There's simple skills and tools. There's a three-part process to put that fear reaction to rest. And I'm going to give it to you. The second thing we learned in childhood is that we are weak, right? Especially if we're afraid. We can't be weak. Remember any boy who cried, anyone who tattletailed, all of these different things. It was not okay to be weak. Now, remember the two components of the stress response is the inability to cope. Well, where did we learn that inability to cope? Childhood. Because of the fear response, because of the parenting that we all received, it was all less than perfect. And we don't teach any of these things. We learned, this is where we learned not to be able to adapt and survive stressful or fearful situations. And so our doctor and our therapist are not letting us know that our stress, our fear originated in childhood at the hands of our parents. And this is a very difficult piece for people to accept. They don't want to hear that their childhood that was less than perfect and that there could have been anything their parents did that might have created their inability to navigate their fear. Well, that's just not reasonable. Everyone's human. And so this belief that our therapists and our medical community and the media are you know, pushing that parents are perfect and never made a mistake, this isn't to blame parents. It's just to hold everyone responsible for being perfectly imperfect and getting into reality. Like, what color is my suit? It's green, right? I'm wearing a green suit. So if I sat here and talked to you the whole time about my green suit, you go, this guy is crazy. It's blue, right? Well, that's all we have to do with childhood is get into reality. We're all, we all are wearing blue suits. We all come out of childhood a little bit blue, a little bit sad with some wounds, even the seminal psychological researcher and therapist, Alan Shore said, even the most benign parenting, meaning even the most kind and loving and perfect parenting involves some mild use of shaming procedures to influence behavior. All of our parents shamed us in some way. And that's what we're experiencing when we are stressed. That's the adaptive coping skill we don't have. We never healed the pain from the past. And that's why we live our life in such high levels of fear. And when shame is present, it triggers nearly every single illness and disease. At the heart of it, there is one, one common, um, not side effect, but one common condition that's prevalent in every single illness and disease, and that's childhood trauma. It is the only condition that's prevalent. You will find it in every single illness and disease, childhood trauma. It's always there. 
And that's what our therapists and that's what our doctors are not telling us. And that's why we're not conquering stress. Because remember, the two things in every definition is the inability to navigate the fight or flight response and the inability to navigate. The, we don't have adaptive coping resources. They're maladaptive. They're not mature. They're not effective. And so at the heart of stress and fear are childhood trauma and a lack of emotional mastery. Okay, so those are the two things we have to get into reality on. We have to start accepting that, yes, Kenny's wearing a blue suit and so are you. It's a common trait we all share. And until our medical community, until the helping professional, every time you're in a stressful situation, asks you, how does this remind you of your childhood trauma? Have you figured out how it parallels? Do you have the skills and tools to heal the pain from your past? No? Well, let's start there before we consider medication especially your therapist. Your therapist should be teaching you those skills and tools. And if they've never even addressed that, then I suggest you find a qualified, capable therapist because they should not be treating you if that wasn't the first place they started. And that's the problem with psychologists. Most of psychologists, psychiatry, they're just pill factories. They're, they're just, whatever your condition is, it's always, well, this, all they're running through in their mind is a list of 100 different medications to dump on you. That's not therapy. That's a complete waste of time and will not get you the ability, the skills and tools you need to conquer your stress. Now, I'm not saying that in certain circumstances when the fear is so escalated that you might need to start with medication, that it can be a great initial source and very helpful. I think that's what medication is for, but it is not an answer. It covers over the symptoms. It doesn't cure the symptoms. The symptoms are always there until we go heal the core problem. And the core problem is childhood trauma and the inability to navigate our emotions, emotional mastery. That's what every therapist, coach, and doctor needs to be providing you first. Unless you're in a drastic situation, there's no need for medication. That's where they need to start. So let's jump into that. And to do that, I'm going to give you a simple acronym, RIP, rest in peace. God, doesn't that sound great after all this stress and lack of inability to manage your fear and your stress? Wouldn't you like to rest in peace? Well, that's what I'm going to show you how to do. You see, whenever we're stressed, which means we're afraid, we are experiencing the fear reaction. And the fear reaction is always one of three fears. It's either the fear of rejection, the fear of inadequacy, or the fear of powerlessness. Now, I'm going to break them all down. Like I said, I encourage you, please go watch my free five-part series on how to stop stress on my YouTube channel. I'll give you the links again because it'll go in-depth, skills and tools to navigate all of this. I'm just glancing at it in this podcast, all right? So, when it comes to rejection, why do we fear rejection? Well, we learned rejection in the initial abandonment we experienced in childhood. Every parent, because they're perfectly imperfect, could not consistently be there for us. They just couldn't. Life is just difficult. No parent can at 100% of their life give up their life and be right here and completely attuned to a child. That's just not possible. In that moment, as a child, we experience severe abandonment. Now, these can be things, just a simple divorce. If your parents got divorced at a young age, boom, all of a sudden from a parent, 
your, your household, you had two parents, one's gone, that's abandonment. You would have felt that. And here's how we resolve that as children. As children, we blame ourselves. Do you see why we would do that? It gives us power. You see, if I'm to blame, if I'm responsible, if you reject me, your abandonment of me is because I'm ugly, I'm too skinny, I'm not funny, I'm not, whatever it may be. That means I can change it. If I'm to blame, I can. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, (sighs) well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Fix it. And so that's what we all do as children. Whenever there's a problem in our childhood, and especially a problem that our parents and their perfect imperfections created, we assume the blame because we are powerless over our parents' perfect imperfections and the way they abandon us. We can't stop that. We can't do anything with that feeling of abandonment. And so the only way we can reconcile it is to turn it against ourselves and blame ourselves. And then we continue that into adulthood. The truth is no one, no one ever rejects us, ever. It's not even humanly possible. For instance, me, people, why would people change the channel and not watch me any longer? Probably because they don't like my mannerisms. Well, what does that mean? Is that a rejection of me? No. Instead of somebody uses their right hand, they want someone who uses their left hand or they want someone who is that guy, Todd Legrand or something. He's a therapist and he just, he sits like he doesn't, he's like a statue and it's just his mouth moves like he's, and he's very monotone in his speaking. Well, I'm very gregarious. That's not a rejection of me. That's just, oh, Todd's quiet and peaceful. Kenny's a bit spastic at times. Oh, I don't like that. That's about what they like. How about this? Do you like Italian or Mexican? So if somebody doesn't, if you like Italian, they like Mexican, is that a rejection of them? No, it's just you like Italian. Again, but we take on rejection because it gives us power. If I'm to blame, I can fix it. That's why we fear rejection. And so ultimately at the heart of rejection is an abandonment wound in childhood. That needs to be healed. And from there, we need to learn how to affirm ourselves and how to meet our needs and wants instead of looking for outside validation, outside affirmation for our worth. Okay? So that's what you want to pay attention to. If you've ever, if you, when you look back at all of your failed relationships, look at it realistically and realize They wanted a blonde, not a brunette. They wanted someone who hiked instead of swam. They wanted someone who played golf instead of tennis. They wanted someone who liked to be intimate more often or less often. That everything they're complaining about, even though they blamed you, that's their own insecurity. Everything they complained about is just a laundry list of their needs and wants. Well, it's their job to go meet them. It's not your job. And so they went off and they pursued their needs and wants. It, had, it actually had absolutely nothing to do with you. You weren't to blame. Just like as a child, 
You weren't to blame for your parents' abandonment of you. They just had life. Life got in the way. Being a parent is an incredibly difficult job. Hell, just living life without kids is an incredibly difficult job. Okay? So it actually has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with the other person and their own needs and wants. All right? Again, for a deeper dive on how to navigate the fear of rejection and conquer it, go to my five-part series. Now, let's move on to the fear of inadequacy. This is the easiest of all fears to conquer. When we fear inadequacy, it means we don't feel we have the knowledge, skills, or tools to do something. So, you know, I use these kind of scenarios all the time. Think about it. When you went off to college for the first time, what was your biggest fear? Where's my dorm? Where are my classes? The campus is so big. How am I going to get around? See, you don't have the knowledge, skills, and tools to know where the dining room is and where your dorm room is and where your chem 101 is. And so what do you need to do? Well, get there a week early, walk the campus, gain the knowledge, turn it into a skill, which, you know, or practice it so it becomes a skill. And once it's you know, been practiced, now it's a tool you can use without thought. It's just reaction. And that's what all of this process is about. The reason people are stressed is they don't have the process. They don't know that they're afraid. They think it, you know, it's stressed and it's just, you know, something that only medication can fix. And so they've never gained the true knowledge of, oh, it's rejection, inadequacy, and powerlessness. All I need to do is pause and ask myself, do I fear rejection, inadequacy, or powerless right now? Oh, it's rejection. So I go do this. And now I need to develop the skill. I will practice it. And eventually it becomes a tool that every time I get triggered by the fear of rejection, I automatically just go do this. Boom. Stress is gone. Fear is gone. Illness, disease, pandemics, gone simple. That would be the type of care you need from your therapist and the medical profession and the helping professions, whatever they do. So if you, that's why I'm advocating, go read, whether you want to read my book or whether you want to go see the five part series, gain the knowledge, skills, and tools of how fear works so that you can put this process into place whenever it comes up in your life, all right? Now, the fear of powerlessness. This is the most difficult and the most prevalent that we experience in this dynamic. This comes from really two things primarily. One, it comes from focusing on what we can't control versus what we can control. Again, where did we learn this? Remember, adaptive coping resources. This is what got broken in childhood. We were powerless over our parents' abandonment of us. We were powerless over being raised in a one-parent household. We were powerless over our parents' divorce. We were powerless over our parents' addiction. We were powerless over all of these things. And so, because we don't have emotional mastery and we are just a child, what we try to do is we try to get control to save our life. So we try and control everything. Well, what do we have control of in life? Nothing but one single thing. And what is it? Us. Oh, think through your life. Think through your relationships. Why have they broken up? 
because you tried to get them to be different than they were. You tried to get them to stop acting out in some way, whether it was an addiction, whether it was abusive, whether it was cheating, all these different things. You tried to control them. Now, I'm not saying <coughs> their behaviors were appropriate and you shouldn't have been upset by them, but we can't stop those behaviors. All we can control is ourselves and go, wait a minute. I keep asking this person to you know, not come home in their addiction and they keep doing it. What can I control? Me. Well, maybe I need to leave. See, instead of playing the victim and blaming them, we need to look at ourselves and go, wait a minute. If I don't like watching this, all I have to do is not show up. I tell this story in my book as to how this works. <laughs> my uh, second wife, when we were dating, I used to stop by her work and she was in between jobs and she was working as a waitress. And I noticed that she would do shots and flirt with the male customers. And I was all ticked off by it. And I, I was learning about this process. And my therapist said to me, Kenny, what can you control? Ooh, because I can't stop her, right? Now, all of you would say, oh, that's wrong, that's wrong. And what do most people do? We'd yell and scream and tell them what they're doing is wrong. And they need to change that because I'm your boyfriend. Complete waste of time. Total waste of time. The only thing I can control is myself. Well, what are my morals and values? My morals and values are I'm not a big fan of the person I'm dating, doing drinking on the job and flirting with other men. So what can I control? Well, if I don't want to see that, I don't have to show up to her work. So I stopped going by. Now you have to remember, we just started dating. So it would also have been inappropriate to kind of lay down demands. But even if it had been, you know, this, I kept this line of reasoning throughout the marriage. And so after, I don't know, three, four days, she's like, you coming by? I said, no. She's like, why not? And she's like, oh, it doesn't work for me. What do you mean it doesn't work for you? Like you stopped coming by. And I said, well, I've just noticed that my girlfriend likes to do shots and flirt with other men and it just doesn't work for me. See, I didn't tell her what to do. I didn't tell her she needed to stop. I just told her what worked for me. I controlled what I could control, me. That's called setting boundaries. There's no codependence in that. And that's the problem when we're in fear, when we're in stress, we are codependent. That's what we got, you know, learned in childhood. When that abandonment happened, we became dependent. I mean, we are dependent on our parents to survive, but now we became dependent on trying to change them because we lack emotional mastery. Our medical profession, our helping professions haven't taught us how to heal this trauma and how to develop these skills on our own. So we're just trying to control everyone and everything instead of healing ourselves. Well, I was learning how to heal myself. And as it happened, it was, I don't know, three days later, all of a sudden, my now ex-wife and I were out to dinner and she said, hey, I wanted to let you know I got a different job. See, she didn't like, because of the boundary I set was, these are my morals and values. She thought about it and went, oh, if I stay here, I won't see Kenny. I don't like that. I'm going to get a job where I see Kenny more. I didn't control her. I let her make her own choice, a choice that empowered her, and it came from me empowering myself. That's how you move from being powerless to powerful. You stop trying to control them. You stop focusing on them. You focus on yourself, the one thing you can control. 
All right. Now, the second reason we feel powerless is the inability to say no. Look at what childhood taught us. Because as a child, our life depends on our parents. We will not survive unless we physically and emotionally attach to another human being. Therefore, when our parents are perfectly imperfect, we cannot say no to them. And what did we learn in childhood? At virtually everything we did, our parents went, no, 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 no. And so even if we think of standing up for ourselves, we can still, I don't care if you're 60 years old, I have clients that, I had a client in her 70s who could still hear her parents you know, yelling no to her. It was that strong. Well, that's what happens to us. We are so afraid that we give ourselves away. And this is where so many people get powerless. They are under the false impression that if you're nice to somebody, it's loving. No, no. There's only a few, there's a parameters to learning when and how to give to somebody, how to be nice. And this is the problem. Everybody's being nice. And, and we as a society, because we are our helping professionals, our doctor and our therapist has never taught us. And the media especially has taught us, oh, we just give, give, give. If you want to love yourself, do things for others. Baloney. You can only do things for others under, under when you satisfy three conditions. One, before you ever say yes and ever do anything, you have to ask yourself, will I keep score? In other words, am I going to keep track that I did this for them? Two, will I ever bring it up and throw it in their face that I did this for them? And three, will I ever have resentment that I did this for them? Do you see they're all the same thing, but everyone says it differently. That's why I say three. Think about it. Why did every single friendship and relationship you've ever been in dissolve? How did it when, it, when it ended and you sat with your friends and you complained about the other person, what did you say? I did A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J. I did all of these things. I gave all of these things. I was so nice in all of these ways and they wouldn't even do this for me. Do you see? That's why this crock of doing things for others and being nice is a lie. It's creating stress. It's creating fear because it's a massive manipulation. I did these 10 things because I wanted you to give me this and you didn't give it to me. And that's why I left. That's what our helping professionals have taught us. Gratitude, be grateful, do things for others, but they never gave us this platform. You cannot give when there are strings attached. That's not giving. That's taking. That's harm. And that's what's creating all of this illness, disease, and daily suffering is we, our helping professionals, have never taught us that our attempt to be nice is actually incredibly destructive, incredibly manipulative. It is the cause of nearly every single divorce. It is the cause of nearly every single relationship that's broke, uh, that has been broken. Everything we struggle with is because of this lie we have been given that you have to say yes. The spirituality, I mean, my gosh, the, the whole, you know, whichever religion it is, that's their whole model. Give, 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 give. Well, yeah, as long as you can satisfy those. But I've seen the most spiritual, religious, church-going people be the most angry People, because all they talk about is how much they give to others and get nothing in return. Well, you didn't give freely. 
whatever your spirituality is, you're not being spiritual. You're being manipulative and you're trying to get something from somebody, not because you're bad, but because the helping professionals have never taught you correctly. That's not your fault. You are not to blame. People in my position are to blame for the stress and fear and the, the distress in your life because they never taught you this. You deserve better from us, much better, okay? So that's the basic overview on how, on why you're stressed, why you can't manage it, and how to overcome it. Now, again, I go much, much deeper into each aspect of this in my book, Your Journey to Success, and also that five-part series, How to Stop Stress. Please, I'll leave you the links to go to it. So if you know somebody who isn't managing their stress and they're going to helping professionals, whether it's a doctor or therapist, and they're just being pumped with pills and they aren't asking them about their childhood and they're not providing them with skills and tools and knowledge to conquer their fear and they're still calling it stress and not fear, please share this video with them. They deserve better. If this helped you, please like it. And as always, well, I apologize. I'm not responsible for every helping professional not giving you the correct information. My heart breaks for how long your journey has been and how much it has cost you physically, emotionally, spiritually, your health, your relationship, because people that do what I do have not helped you. It breaks my heart. You didn't deserve it. And so I urge you to... Do the healing work within yourself because you deserve better. And I also urge you to stand up and talk to your doctors and demand for the right, be your own advocate for the right type of health care to solve these problems correctly instead of through medication and pills. So as you do that, enjoy the journey.